This is the EWN Podcast Network. Do you know how often identity theft occurs? Every two seconds, affecting even children. The great news is that you and your loved ones don't have to become the next victim. In the Cyber Mindful with Sandra podcast, we'll explore together simple practices that increase the cyber safety of you, your family, and your business. I'm your host, Sandra Esto, and I believe the key to protecting yourself from hackers, scammers, and cyber monsters is rooted in being fully present, both online and offline. This podcast is a conversation among friends. I'm delighted that you are choosing to take charge of your cyber safety because you deserve to have peace of mind online and protect what matters most to you. So let's do this together. Welcome, welcome to Cyber Mindful with Sandra. Have you ever had, let me ask you this question before I start. Have you ever had a mentor, a guy, someone that is very special in your life that has helped you in ways you have never, ever imagined that person can can help you, can change your life? And what would you say to that person? If you have that person in front of you, think about it. Luckily for me, I do have that person right in front of me, and I'm so grateful and so happy for today's interview. I'm going to give you a little bit of details about who are we talking to today or who's our guest, Dave Tyson. You know, Dave Tyson is the president of Apollo Information System. He Apollo is a Consergy cybersecurity consultancy and operations across the United States, with operations across the United States and Canada. Dave has over 30 years of experience in cyber, cybersecurity, but also on the physical side of security. And we're going to talk about that. <laughs> You're not going to believe what's been Dave. <laughs> anyway, um, he has held so many leadership positions. He has fought, battled, organized crime and nation stakes attackers. And if you don't know what that means, don't miss my episode about who are the cyber monsters so you will learn exactly what are we talking about there. And, you know, with all that, it has prepared Dave to, to really have a completely view of what security means, not just on the cyber side, but also on the physical side. And that is such a special skill set. And, you know, Dave has been the chief information security officer for large organizations. He was the chief security officer for the whole city of the 2010 Winter Olympics. And I want to ask about that with Dave. I mean, I can go on and on and on of all the accomplishments and all the things that Dave Tyson has done for the industry and that for me personally, how he's he has changed my life. Dave has been my mentor. He has been my boss. He's my friend. And he is one person that I admire and 
and really get inspired to do the work that I do every day in cybersecurity. So thank you, thank Dave. Thank you very and much, Sandra. Very kind show. words. And I applaud your, your efforts here. I think this is really, really good to help people understand how to protect themselves in this dynamic world we live in today. And I, I agree with you 100% about mentors. I've had a few really great ones in my life. And, I, you know, you never can outgrow a mentor. I have mentors now myself. Yes, we we do. Now, Dave, let's start with your story. So tell, tell, tell us a little bit about how did you get into physical security and cybersecurity and all security related? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's kind of a funny story. Good. I mean, I, I grew up in Vancouver, up in Canada, and uh, I was working as, out of high school. I had a couple of black belts, and so I started working in bodyguarding for movie stars and rock stars and you know, that was really cool when you're 20 years old and, and uh, you're traveling around with, with, with people. Mm -hmm. But uh, eventually I had to get a real job. And uh, so eventually I ended up as a security guard, guarding, you know, guarding holes in the ground and co watching concrete dry and doing all the, the, the yeoman's work that has to be done. And, and after about 15 years of that, it seemed uh -huh. like this whole cyber thing was coming along and I didn't know what spam was or any of the things that we all face every single day and uh, in 1999 i got an opportunity to uh to to get in get my toe in the door and i didn't have a technology degree i still don't but i got the opportunity to work um, with a company that got acquired by ibm and i just asked a tremendous number of questions of sm people smarter than me about this technology and really what i had to do and I think that this is this serves a lot of people is translate all that technical mumbo jumbo into plain English words. Mm -hmm. And I've been on a mission since since then to mm -hmm. try to to demystify some of this. And so, you know, that was really how I got into it. I learned and and eventually ended up, um, you know, coming to the United States. I got an opportunity to go work at eBay uh, for for a mentor. Um, and we fought uh, organized crime and and dealing with you know Russian gangs and Romanian gangs and dealt with some Chinese folks and and just really learned a lot about the battles that are fought every day uh, mm -hmm. and how little the average person really gets visibility to that and so that's really been my, my journey is to move from. Uh, the security officer making $7 an hour and all the polyester you can wear all the way up to, you know, fighting organized crime <laughs> for folks like, you know, Nike and the power companies and SC Johnson where you and I work together. Yes, exactly. Now, to, yeah, I, that's such a good point, Dave. And I love, you know, few things that you just said there, you know, translating all the technical jargon. And we both have that in, in, in common. It's sometimes because of these big words, we don't think that they can happen to us or just like, you know, when you go to the doctor and the doctor is talking to you in words that have, you have no idea what they mean. And it just relates to our body it's in the same way those big words in the technical world that relate to our safety are important to know. And, you know, thank you for, for, for providing that kind of clarity and guidance. I mean, yes, 
some of these terms are, are important to know, but more importantly is to know how they can affect people. And I want to ask you, so with your battlings with cybercrime and you share, you know, with the companies that you work for, could you share some of those stories with us? So we well, love you know, to I mean, know more. some of those things are, are like, I guess the, not necessarily related to a specific company, but you know, the one that I, I like to, tell all the time is is where a uh, from my executive protection days I had a some guys that I used to work with and they had a uh, big shot CEO who was worried about uh, himself and his family being targeted physically and uh, so his his team came to me and said well you understand our job so how you know we've scrubbed this CEO's home address all his information from the from anywhere on the internet. So there's there should be no way to find him at his home. And we'd like you to see if that's true. And could you test that? And so I said, sure, how long do we have? And they mm-hmm. said, well, how about three weeks? I said, okay, that sounds good. So uh, about now his house turned out to be about four, three hours drive from, from where I lived. And so I was there four hours later after the request. And here's how it happened. Now, this is a few years ago for context, but uh, what we did was on the front of the Wall Street Journal or from the the finance section, it showed him ringing the bell and his family was there. And so it it listed who they were. And you can't scrub that from the internet because once it's on the internet, it's there forever. And so we were Mm -hmm. able to see that he had a teenage daughter. And uh, from that, we could create a Facebook profile, and we just took the picture of uh, of a, a young lad who had grown in popularity in social media, who worked at Walmart. He was a good-looking young guy, and so we created a, a, a Facebook profile for him, and then and f- sent her a friend request. And uh, it just so happens that she immediately connected because he was popular and good-looking. And then uh, her settings mm. were set mm-hmm. to share her photos with anybody she connected with. And then we were able to take pictures okay. from her backyard birthday party. And there's a way in which that a lot of people may not know that that cameras will embed the physical location, the latitude and longitude of where the picture was taken. And in many cases, even if you turn off location services, it will, the, the camera itself will still embed that data. And so we overlaid those pictures on a Google Maps, and we had the address of where the picture was taken, which was their backyard. And so within within an hour, we were able to, to figure out where this family was and able to get there and knock on the door, which caused them great amounts of distress since they'd spent $200,000 already removing his name from everything. And I think it, it underlies the basic yeah, pro- problem, especially with apps in do you know what you're giving away? Um, I always say, you know, most people wouldn't go down a dark alley to buy a watch out of the trunk of a car from a guy in a big gray overcoat, but they'll click on any link or download any app and give away their permissions. And if you Mm -hmm. remember, you and I worked together Mm -hmm. uh, doing security awareness in Latin America. And one of the stories we told at the time was people downloading Candy Crush. And one of the things it gave away was the yep. physical address, sex of the person, you know, yep. some other things. So think about this. Think you're you're a single mom in a park with your baby and 
Candy Crush is giving away all of that information effectively. And so I think that that's the, the takeaway from Absolutely. this is understand how the technology you use puts you at risk and what you're choosing to give yep. away. Absolutely. And I think that's that's the key word, Dave, choosing, because sometimes when you know that you have that choice, I mean, and now technology has evolved to a point where you actually can take away the permission for your camera to to even have location services. Before, it was not an option, but now, you know, whether you have an iPhone or an Android, you can just go to that setting and just remove that location services for the camera itself. And, and it, you know, that is something that we, we always try to, to encourage our listeners to go and do because that's such a simple thing that they can do to protect their information. So thank you for sharing that. And, and the story, you know, for, for what I'm, you know, I, I know the story, it, it, it might be you, you're not a CEO or you're not someone very famous, but it can happen to anyone. I mean, talk about, you know, what what are the consequences of, in your life of work, you know, for consumers and for organizations? How yeah, I mean, I think that that you have to look at the, the journey that both business and consumers are on and have been for the last 20 years, because mm-hmm. as the technology has come from a world where it was it served its user and in those cases as as a service Mm -hmm. people would interact with them on a as needed basis and now if you if you look at the way technology is in both companies and in your home it's inter it's interrelated to how you operate as a person as a company you don't you don't go and pick up the phone and dial it. It's already working in the background. Your 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 car is sending yep. records to the dealership that it's time to get an oil change to alert the driver. The, yep. the refrigerator is taking status updates of the food in your house. Yep. You know, and and sharing that information based off of the approved user agreements. So so you look in t- mm-hmm. in companies that that have historically been in my time at PG&E the the power company you know for years they had been a company that generates power um and then distributes it but now really what they are becoming in this industry is an intermediated trading platform that happens to trade uh power so that they're becoming the eBay or they mm-hmm. will become the eBay of power at some point where people will generate their own, they'll use their own technology mm-hmm. to generate their own electricity and share it, sell it with their neighbors. And so as these technologies have yeah. become more aware and more, more um, automated, uh, it changes the actual risk profile mm-hmm. of the user or the, or the company in that. And so the question that, that I ask folks all the time is, how much risk is okay for you or you as an organization? How much are you willing to accept? Mm-hmm. Because if you're not aware yep. of risks as you add new technologies, as you add new yep. services in your world, um, you know, the, the question is, is how will you know if the risk is acceptable to you? You have to, just because you can do something doesn't mean you always should. Uh, and, and, but the answer is not Absolutely. always 
easy. It's not always easy, especially for the consumer mm -hmm. to say, hey, I'm going to buy that new camera system to protect my house and I'm going to plug it into my wireless and connect it and do all that. Okay, great. Um, what risk did that create? Even though you bought something to help you and protect you, it might actually create risk. And we've seen this on the corporate side. People install into IP cameras uh, that have their own firewalls and the, the installer, mm -hmm. the physical security installer, didn't understand the cyber implications and ended up putting the company at risk. Yeah. I mean, that leads me to even think about sometimes we install things and the basic settings of that installation are not updated. So you might install a camera or a router and the admin password is admin password and you don't realize that it came with that manufacturing preset configuration that everyone knows you just have to google that information and then you'll find out how yeah. to break into easily and i think you the other side is that. is that the, the side of it which isn't the risk is that new tools are available and more accessible mm -hmm. to the average person whether it's a personal vpn a personal firewall uh You know, these yep. kinds of tools, even if, if you're traveling, um, using a browser like mm -hmm. DuckDuckGo or, or something like that that allows you to hide yep. some of some of the, you know, the your activity, less tracking, even the basics, you know, incognito in the Google browser, something Absolutely. that reduces your footprint, I think, is is now there are new options for users that you don't have to be an IT person to, to learn how to do. Absolutely. That's the beauty. And, you know, it, it's, it's that choice that we make. And I, I love that you talk about awareness before because, um, you know, one, one of the areas that I'm focusing, especially with this podcast, is teaching how to be I am. Be intentional, be aware, and be mindful when we use technology. And awareness is such an important component. Awareness is all about the knowledge, the basics that we sometimes um, can implement and reduce our risk. And thank you for sharing some of that. Now, Dave, what 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 is new with you? Like, tell me what what are the new projects? What have you encountered lately? So give us some. Well, you know, one of the interesting parts there. is our our company bought a bought another company uh, in June of this year. One of the things that came with it was a really interesting capability where we can look into the dark web and see what bad guys are planning. And so tell us for tell. Us Tell us about what is the dark web for those that That's don't know, good. and I haven't done that episode yet. Well, if, if just you think a little about bit. <laughs> what we call the internet, which is uh, just a, a massive connection of computers all over the world, um, there are there's only about three or four percent of it that the average user can get to. So if you're using your Google browser and your regular PC, you actually can only get to three or four percent of the entire internet. Much of the other In rest, we call the internet, um, is what what is often referred to as the dark web or the dark net. And in this, it's a combination of things. Um, you need specialized tools to go there. So you can't get there with your Google browser. Um, and it, it's other types of networks. And in many of these cases, these specialized tools you need or specialized skills you need to get there allow for a lot more anonymity. 
And in that environment, um, some of the bad guys have actually learned how to uh, how to conduct uh, criminal operations. They buy and sell things that they that they've stolen. They ask for help and share information between each other. They might be a a any number of the cyber monsters you talk about. It could be a criminal group. It could be a a hacker in a basement. It could be a nation state terrorist organization. It could be anything. But they operate in a, in, in a very large part of the connected internet uh, with, with a lot less visibility from law enforcement and organized, uh, organized crime, um, people who would seek to, to, to see what organized crime is doing. And so in this environment, you can, as you begin to understand how the how crimes or how attacks happen before they actually happen, you start to be able to get visibility to the risks that an individual or a company face. And while there are many services out there in the world that will, um, you they'll scan and look for your stolen credit card information or your email address. We're not talking about that. We're talking about visibility into seeing an organized crime group prepare to attack a company. And We've developed some of those capabilities so that we can help companies get what we call left of boom, which is is really visibility to the risks that face them before the bad stuff actually happens. And so as a security professional for as many years, you and I both know that one of the biggest challenges we face is trying to stop things from happening is after it happens and you're struggling to deal with whether it's your identity's been stolen or your company's been hacked whether your small business yep. has been ransomware, we call that you don't want to fight in your own house. Because if you fight, if you saw the John Wick movies, yep. you'll know that every time John Wick fights in his own house, walls get wrecked and furniture gets destroyed and his dog gets killed. And so fighting in your own house is a bad idea. So anything you can do to either stop the problem from happening in the first place by not giving away all those permissions or predicting yep. when it is going to happen and so you can yep. take way you can take steps to mitigate that risk, I see is a better strategy. So this is one of the the cool new environments where we can and we've had the we've we've actually stopped attacks for customers uh where it's literally, hey, in 24 hours this is going to happen. It does, and we've prepared the customer and so that they didn't have the you know they didn't have the impact. And so it's been a really, really cool experience for me because after 25 years of fighting bad guys, it's a lot better to not fight them and just push them somewhere else or, you know, because at the end of the day, they just want to make money. Everything that you see out there is about them monetizing mm-hmm. something. Their business is ruining your business, yeah. right? Whether it's you personally or your company or, mm-hmm. or a corporation. And, and so this, this is a, this is a really new, exciting area for me where, we're actively helping customers around the world, and so I'm really excited about it. And that's 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 the really neat part about this this uh, this new growth for us. Oh, I love it! I love that, and you know, predictability. I mean, if you know that it's going to rain, you get your umbrella, right? It's and early warning. Or your poncho, <laughs> and you don't you won't get yes. So uh, we love that predictability when we get you know the the weather or whatever it is that, that we're about to do. So thank you for doing that. And um, thank you for sharing that. Now, I heard also that you you are, you know, this company with election time, 
is there any prediction or is there anything that with elections and that just happened to have one just this week here in the United States, how, how people could, how, how, how do, do we protect that? How do we trust that? Just talk to us yeah, a I little mean, bit about I, that I, because. I'm well, not an expert in election security. We, we have lots of people who are, and I will say that I think that there mm -hmm. in general terms, you should feel pretty comfortable about the security of the elections. Now that doesn't mean that people won't try to influence your opinion on Facebook and Twitter and, and other places. I think the government continues to realize this is, this is real world. I mean, just, just this week we had a, there's a Russian billionaire who outright admitted that he had worked to try to fiddle with the, the last election here in the United States. He publicly admitted it after, after a number of denials. So we know this stuff is happening. We see efforts. Mm. We see campaigns. Facebook has a huge team of people who are constantly looking for these types of influence campaigns uh, going on. And, I, and for me, I think the, the biggest risk, besides the, the concern that people have, and I don't know how much it is politics, but you know the concern of whether the security of the election itself, the machines and the process and the the spoiled ballots and all of that. Mm -hmm. I think that in general terms, that is less of a concern for me. I and mean, we, we help very much in those areas. I think the bigger concern is, is just the, the relationship online between influence. And, and we've seen a lot of evidence mm -hmm. and a lot of views uh, purported that influence campaigns, whether they be on social media or through other groups, play a large role in how people think about the issues. Yeah. I mean, certainly there's a lot of energy. If you look at other countries around the world, I mean, none of them have the kind of news cycle and, and influence cycle that the, the American election system has. In Canada, the election cycle is three weeks, right? It's not two, you know, it's not a sort of almost constant mm -hmm. like it is here. So, you know, I, I think that in general terms, mm -hmm. given the environment that we operate in, we should feel fairly comfortable about it not saying there's not a, there are not people who try to fiddle with it Good. from countries around the world for their own means. They absolutely happen, um, but I don't think that should deter anybody from um, from wanting to vote or or having some level of confidence. There, there will always be issues. We just saw in Florida about how some machines didn't work and they wanted to extend the voting time, and that was a technological failure, as, as I understand it. Technology is not perfect, but mm -hmm. The level of assurance that mm -hmm. goes into these, you know, the, the voting process is very high. It has to stand a high level of scrutiny. So, like like any sort of court proceeding Absolutely. and all those kinds of things that we're there, there's a lot of work that goes into making sure that you can prove the the validity of the results. So, uh, but in general terms, I I think that you know it, it it's important. We need to have our eyes on it. But I think in general terms, I don't feel too bad about what mm -hmm. I've seen. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your perspective. Now, um, from in 2022, what in your perspective are the biggest threats that whether a mom, a consumer, you know, with a family, uh, kids, teenagers, or, you know, elder parents versus a company or a government or a school, you know, what are the biggest threats that both 
whether it's an yeah. organization yeah, well, or an individual. I mean, I, there's a couple of things Could that I think are really important, Sandra. I mean, first mm -hmm. is understanding the trends, right? So when you look at, um, mm -hmm. you know, ransomware, that's a sexy topic that everybody talks about. But many people would be surprised to find out it's actually not the number one cybercrime that goes on anymore. It, business email compromise or compromise of people by email uh, is, is actually more loss worldwide than ransomware these days. Um, and, and why that's important is because when you start to look at trends and how technology is abused by, by bad guys, by these monsters, um, it's important to know what they're doing and how they're trying to compromise people so that you can be aware of what you have to do to protect yourself. So if you go look at 2020 as an example, there was about a trillion dollars worth of losses worldwide. So like 1.3% roughly of global GDP. So if you go back and trend from 2010 now out to 2030, that trend line will get us to about 3.5% of global GDP. So... That's the economic impact, effectively, of having a COVID every yeah. year. The economic impact to our economy worldwide of having COVID every year going forward. So in thinking about companies' mm. ability to have there being jobs available and people consuming mm -hmm. things and, and, and having the kind of financial stability that we all want as individuals and having the jobs at companies... <laughs> Um, we need to take this stuff more seriously than ever. I think as far as individuals go, um, you may not be necessarily as targeted, uh, depending on who you are, more targeted than you are today because the targeting is, is, is pretty broad. But just the sheer velocity and the effectiveness of it, that link that you get that looks like it's coming from UPS today and you pick, oh, maybe that's yeah. not right. Mm -hmm. I, I better go check on it. Might be 10 times better five years from now. So the effectiveness of it, the number of people that can get think can get impacted will, will probably go up. And so that's the that's the thing. You have to be aware of these things. But when you see the the, the global economic impact, uh, especially out in countries where maybe the infrastructure not as good, we're seeing a lot of attacks in Europe right now on the railway systems and, mm -hmm. and other things. So as these, as the, as the bad guys figure out ways to monetize um, their, their actions against yeah. either people or, or companies, it's going to get worse. And, and let me just speak for a second about, about kids, because, you know, we've seen some pretty awful trends over the years of, of what people have done where they've taken control of kids, cameras and taken pictures and it, and some some kids have had really detrimental outcomes. So, doing the basics are really critical. Making sure that that those kids are protected with the technology they use, and that those cameras are are blocked, yeah. uh, so that you know, unless they're absolutely ne needed to be used, making sure that that people aren't sharing things they shouldn't. That, that there's some level of control, having privacy controls turned on in in social yeah. media, all of these kinds of things. Whether you're a company or you are an individual, these are all things you can do to prevent these attacks or the, these losses. Um, and you know, we see years and years and years of evidence of whether it's 
you know, whether it's uh, in the physical world where predators come after kids that they identify on social media, which has been going on a long time, but we have more tools than we've ever had in this space, right through to, you know, to companies being abused by, by criminals. Absolutely. And, you know, that's such an important topic, Dave. And I think for parents listening right now, you know, the early you start the conversation and have family family discussions about cyber safety, cyber security, and really giving your kids the basic tools like like you talk about so they can be prepared when they get to interact and when they get to to have a, a Facebook or an Instagram or Snapchat profile so they can identify when someone that's not real because you talk about this analogy and I love it, like the skepticism or, or the fear that we can feel if we're w walking by a dark alley, so much different than when you go online, you don't have that um, physical sensation right. danger is here. And that's the skill and that's, you know, that be that be intentional, be aware and be mindful online can give you, you know, to develop that second nature instinct. You know, I, I, one of the guys online. who worked to my team at eBay wrote a paper back in the day, and it was basically about cyber skepticism, that people need to be skeptical mm -hmm. of in the cyber world, just like they are in the physical world. And building that skepticism muscle to say, you know, is this real? Is this person who's reaching out to me? And, you know, we, we mm -hmm. teach in awareness yeah. things like at least look at the email address to see if it's coming from the company that you actually think is supposed to and, 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 and look to see if you know this person and why do you, why are they asking for this information? I mean, we see that with the targeting of the elderly, the yeah. reason why they target the elderly disproportionately yep. is because they don't necessarily have the same familiarity as, as others. And so anything we can do to make it easy, uh, as a simple example with, uh, with, with my mother, she's 93 years old and, and we, we didn't want her having to go on Facebook and deal with all these kinds of things. She had, people had tried to victimize her already. So we, we bought her a system where, where families could direct communicate with her, share pictures, do all of that, but it's a closed system. Nobody can, can, can anonymously connect to her. And you can do it from anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this this creates a huge amount of assurance around that that channel. Uh, she doesn't have a cell phone anymore, but that channel of communication is wide open, rich, and safe. Yeah, exactly. And, and those choices exist out there. And, yeah, thank you for sharing that. You know, if you... If, more details if, if you want to connect with Dave. So at the end of this, we're definitely going to have that information available for you to, to know more about his company, to know, know more about what he does. And I mean, he's a wealth of knowledge as you can now experience with me. Now, I, I want to switch gears a little bit, Dave, and ask you, okay, what in... In your world, what is your favorite, 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 favorite piece of technology? I got to tell you, I'm not a big tech guy. I mean, I have one. I have 
I have a lot. That's shocking. Um, shocking. But you know me. I mean, you know, I, I, I get, I mean, well, first off, you know, there's not a piece of Mac technology anywhere in my world. I'm not a Mac fan. So that threw all that out. All you iPhone listeners out there, you know, break the, break the chain if you can. Um, I mean, certainly the, the tech that I do use uh, is convenience-based like most people. So, you know, the app that will allow me to uh-huh. start my hot tub while I'm landing at the airport so it's hot when I get home because my back's sore or whatever. I mean, that that kind of stuff I like. But my hobbies are more more physical. They're restoring old cars or I'm trying to learn how to... <laughs> And I'll make knives because yeah. I'm obsessed with this TV show that where they make knives all the time and fortune and fire and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I don't have, I'm literally rather I'm going back <laughs> to the stone ages myself because I'd rather spend more time, uh, you know, <laughs> building things for my grandkids than uh, worrying about what happened on, on online. Yeah. I, I remember your, your, um, your weekend adventures with your truck. That's where you spend the majority of your time, and I have a right? problem with trucks. <laughs> Building that truck. Uh, I have four. Uh, <laughs> and they're all in, one's in the restoration shop, one's in pieces in my garage, one's in pieces in my driveway, and the other one is in Canada uh, where I go four-wheeling. So, you know, we build these off-road trucks, and they're fantastic. It's a great outlet. But uh, I don't get enough free time to really use them right. <laughs> my my wife uh, has a few a few parking stalls she'd like to get back. Let's just say that. <laughs> we we all do. <laughs> we all wives do that. <laughs> Now, okay. So I, since you know, I'm thinking about how <laughs> am I going to ask you the next question, because it related to your favorite piece of technology, but that's okay. Now let's just think about your phone. Even though, you know, it might not be your, your favorite piece of technology out there. But I, what I want you to think about, Dave, mm-hmm. you picture your phone right now for me. And you tell me, what are the three things that you are most grateful for? Absolutely. When I, you use that phone? I'm grateful And very why? much for the experiences that it can create to allow me to, to, to live life uh, you know, better. So I like music. So having the ability to easily and mm-hmm. sort of ubiquitously collect or connect to music experiences and have it on in the background, you know, when you're working 10 hours, 12 hours, 14 hours a day, it's nice to have a little bit of music in the background. And, and so I have a number of those options. Uh, so that's really important to me. Um, I think that obviously the security tools that, that allow me to feel like I have some level of safety and that I can, I can, Yeah. Also be able to ensure that my family is safe, uh, those kinds of tools, whether it's security cameras or, or cybersecurity tools like firewalls or other types of things. Obviously, I, I'm a big fan of those. No surprise there. And you know, other than that, it's, it, for me, it's really, yeah. um, it's, you know, a little hobby stuff. Like, you know, I'm a Manchester United soccer fan. So I follow all those apps. I follow the progress. I, You know, I, we, our company has our own fantasy football league. So I have an app for that, that we can connect to people, but it's really about the experience that it gives you. Um, you know, I, I actually went out and exactly. bought a bigger mm-hmm. phone 
more granted I'm older now, but uh, so I don't see, but I bought one that's much wider. It's a double sized phone. And so I don't have uh-huh. to carry a tablet anymore. Uh-huh. So, you know, that's, you know, yep. the benefit of the innovation in those areas allows me to be able to reduce yep. the unnecessary technology in my life. Cause a lot of people, you know, have three, four or five devices, depending on what they use them for. And, and, you know, that's just more complication. The more things you have to secure, the more things you have to be concerned about. Like, I still haven't figured out why my toothbrush needs a Bluetooth connection. I really can't figure that out. Uh, but it has one, uh, and I'm not sure why. Um, so, you know. Your cavities, it's stuck into, know. you know. Uh, so, you know, so a lot of these types of mean. things is you, with the phone is – I'm very grateful for what it does, what it delivers. Um, and it's the hard part yeah. is the amount of effort it takes to ensure that you're taking all the right steps. Even you and I, Sandra, it's, it's a constant challenge. And I, it's so it's, you know, anything we can do to enable the average person to try to figure this stuff out, at least make the effort to not just click on that I agree button the next time you download an app onto your phone. You know, that's progress. Absolutely. Now, just just the final question, Dave. Is there anything that I did not ask you that you're dying to tell us or to ask um, that I didn't ask you, but you would love to answer for us? You know, or what would be the I last piece of that, advice? That two things. So, first off, from the business side of the house, you know, we've seen a tremendous trend in. The, you've seen it in the media. You've seen it in in the court cases these days that executives have become are starting to become personally liable you see regulatory agencies court cases where they're mm-hmm. suing um, executive directors board members CEOs personally not and having them not mm-hmm. protected by their uh, directors and officers insurance or, or by the corporate what we call the corporate veil the, the protection that the corporation offers and so executives really need to start paying attention to this because before senior execs could um, t- could um, delegate the responsibility for making sure your cybersecurity is right. And that was okay 20 years ago. But in a world where the, where the cost of failure is your business is going to go under, you're going to have to lay off all of your employees and, and people are, could get hurt or worse. Now that these technologies are interconnected. We see physical damage that can happen and loss of life by a cyber attack. And so I think we've reached the the tipping point Mm -hmm. from a corporate perspective that companies need to start taking this seriously and people need to take individual responsibility. It's not somebody else's right to the board level, because if a board member Mm -hmm. loses a house because they got sued and we've seen three cases this year where board members have been sued personally, Mm -hmm. um, uh, for failure to have the right risk monitoring in place, I think that's a, that's a real change. Um, we saw a watershed case, yeah. a criminal case, Absolutely. where uh, a chief security officer of a publicly traded company has been convicted uh, in criminal court for failure to disclose. Now, I you know I, I happen to know the guy, and I'm pretty sure that he's done his job, but that, that the court felt otherwise. And so we're seeing a lot of train ch- uh, yeah. trends that are happening and in, in government is getting more involved on the individual front. I think it's more of the same and faster. 
So the importance, you know, it's really time to really take personal responsibility for you and your family's technology and the safety of how it's used and how it, it shares your information. Whether it's the technology in your home, just just do one little exercise for me, and, and you will have, I think, you know, just go around the house and map out every device that connects to the internet or through Bluetooth or something like that in your house and write it all down on one picture and just ask yourself, do I am I confident that all of these things are connected in a secure way? I and they don't have default passwords, they you know, that kind of thing. And that I'm confident that I'm not putting me or my family at risk. And if the answer is yes, then great. If the answer is I'm not sure, get some help. Get somebody to help you to make sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dave, for sharing your wisdom, for you know, enlightening us with with all your experiences. And and I'm just so grateful for you, for who you are and how much you are giving in, in this world the battle to, you know, get cybercrime at bay. So thank you for, for being with us and thanks, we'll see Great you next you. time. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. I'm so grateful for you today. So if you enjoyed this episode, please tag me in social media at way to protect. Again, it's way number two protect. And let me know if this episode has helped you. I would love to hear from you. And if you like to know more about me, check out my resources at my website, sandraestock.com. And remember, be intentional, be aware, and be mindful. Be I am. Be I am now.